Brady. This is Club Hell. Thanks for coming, kids. Then, Hello, this is Notes from the Back Row. A cinema podcast of commentary, questions, answers, dreams, fears, joy rides, hell rides, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the mind. Okay, this is Jenna, and I'm here with Carlo. Hi. And on this episode of Notes from the Back Row, uh, Carlo is doing me a solid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm enabling you. <laughs> yeah, I have. So I've been I've been on an odyssey since uh, last summer of just watching uh, Martin and Lewis movies. Which, uh, you know, they were only 16. (laughs) (laughs) That's not too many. (laughs) So I've now moved on to these solo films, which uh, I have to admit, you know, I'm I'm a little bit more of a a Dean Martin fan than I am a Jerry Lewis fan. But, uh, you know, watching all these Jerry Lewis movies, uh, I got to thinking they they really do embody that sort of living cartoon thing, Hmm. which is what Carlo and I both uh, bond over. Yeah. So he he sacrificed himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like we were just thinking topics for podcasts. I'm like, okay, fuck it. Let's do a Jerry Lewis episode because I'm always down to watch some comedy and like, Jerry Lewis is a huge name. I mean, I've seen some Jerry Lewis movies growing up, but it's been so long and I figured, yeah, let's, uh, let's get re- reacquainted, see what this is all about. Yeah. So were you were you a fan of him when you were young? I do remember liking them, but I can't even really remember what movies I saw. I'm I'm pretty sure I saw some Martin and Lewis movies, maybe some like Lewis standalone movies as well. But these were not movies I saw more than once, I'm sure. So I don't think I qualified as like a fan growing up. Uh, but yeah, I just if it was a comedy, I liked it as a kid. So I probably enjoyed watching the one I watched, whichever it might be. I think it was like kind of an odd couple situation where they're both like living in an apartment, but maybe there's like a bunch of those. Yeah, that's what... definitely all of them. Yeah, because one <laughs> of them is, is one that we cover today. It's basically that just so. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's, it's funny. I think even you growing up in Europe, especially probably mm. even had, I mean, it's not necessarily true, but I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if you had grown up seeing his stuff more so than even America. But then again, um, I'm kind of the odd person out because <laughs> most people I know grew up at least seeing some of his movies and uh, my my mother specifically hates him. <laughs> so I never I never had the exposure to it. Uh, I mean, I knew of him and I think I know more about him because of uh, like cartoons that I watched in the 90s growing up that referenced him. Oh, yeah. OK. So <laughs> so I really kind of came into this whole thing super blind. And now I'm like four books in (laughs) with two others sitting on my shelf that i'm about to start reading so that's a straight up obsession at this point (laughs) oh yeah no it's like this has been happening since july and and Mm. at the time of recording it's february so yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i am i'm finding it fascinating and part of it for sure is just the fact that um 
you know, he is such a name and that he has been so influential to so many people. And it's to me kind of a bit like, um, I don't know, there's sometimes there's like bands who all like, you know, all of my favorite like indie rock groups in the early 2000s would all point to like the Smiths as their mm. favorite band or something. Yeah. And like, I like the Smiths pretty, you know, they have a bunch of really good songs, but I don't love the Smiths, but mm -hmm. I love everything that they inspired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is, I think Jerry Lewis is kind of one of those guys and, and Dean Martin, but uh, our focus today is on Jerry Lewis. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I only saw, well, only one of the movies had Dean Martin in him, so I can't really judge him based on that. So well, yeah. the, the thing about Jerry Lewis, and I'll keep this quick, I promise, mm. but <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that, you know, he is, he is the definition of an auteur you know, in his yeah. directorial and filmmaking career, because he wrote, he starred, he directed, he edited, he produced, and he like, he micromanaged like literally everything about every film he made down to like the lenses, to the lights and, and how the sets were built. And uh, he even, he invented the video assist on film sets, which is, you know, the, the ability to instantly play back what they had just shot. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah, and he didn't like invent it in the sense that he like you know sat and working on on tinkering around as much as <laughs> he saw that this existed in television, and he was insanely rich at this point. I mean, Lewis and Martin uh, were the Beatles; they were Elvis at their time. Yeah, like crowds and hordes of people screaming in the streets, like that. That <laughs> like all of that even before Elvis and the Beatles it was these two dudes mm. so they were they had millions of dollars and and when he started to make movies he he would have the ability to say I'm taking I'm gonna collage this thing from this experience and put it in here and then it became you know video assist became a staple of of uh film sets and cool. Jerry Lewis is largely pointed to as the guy that sort of invented that I never knew that yeah, no. So it's kind of it's just interesting. And I mean, again, like a lot of the fact a lot of his his fame, even beyond his humor, which I know grates on a ton of people and, <laughs> and me included, like I don't like I'm, I'm on the fence like like Jerry Lewis fascinates me, but yeah. he doesn't always make me laugh like he does occasionally. I like bits and pieces of what he does, but he's I would never point to him as my favorite comedian. Yeah, yeah, I definitely get that. Like I have a couple of people like that as well. Like they just fascinate me more than i like actually enjoy watching them uh, <laughs> it's definitely what jerry lewis the case like he's he's a character you know there's no one like jerry lewis really uh so yeah that was kind of fascinating um yeah, it's like I, I definitely would, I, at this point, having watched a million movies <laughs> and read all these books, I, I can definitely point now, uh, when I came into this too, not having a very, um, you know, fond view of Jerry Lewis, basically going off of the fact that my mother hated him and, and the clips that I had <laughs> seen of him, uh, I never was very thrilled about. He was loud and grating, but yeah. uh, I well will say that now... I have I have found an appreciation for him and I would call him talented uh, physically. I mean, he does great stuff. He's not he's not Buster Keaton and he's not Chaplin. I don't think he's the apex of anything personally, yeah. which isn't to say that other people don't do because he de like he definitely has a crazy following that that is deserved like sure if, if that's your thing it's your thing mm -hmm. yeah but yeah i mean like he he definitely managed to dig his way into that sphere of physical comedy even if it's like the lowest brow of the rung of <laughs> yeah it, you know it's pretty low bro but then i think 
I mean, most comedy I feel is percepted as being lowbrow. So, and I don't mind that, to be honest. Like, I'm not above that. So, I was totally okay with watching some Jerry Lewis movies for that reason. But <laughs> what, what is the deal, though, with they always say that French people love Jerry Lewis? And is, is, that, a, is that like a fact? Is that an, an actual thing? Because that is not like I, I never knew a lot of people who like Jerry Lewis. I, I'm pretty sure my dad didn't like him because otherwise I would have been exposed to his movies more because I was very rel reliant as a kid growing up on what kind of movies I would watch. So I would watch like a lot of like Laurel and Hardy and Marx Brothers. So because my dad's a big comedy guy as well. But Jerry right. Lewis movies just kind of like they didn't super exist like the the closest thing i could think of or do you know this guy a french guy called louis de funet no does that ring a bell no he's kind of like i feel like a similar character <laughs> but i did like those movies he has like a bunch of movies called like uh Le gendarmerie uh which is like a sort of french police character that he that he kept doing throughout the years I feel like those are pretty popular here, like on TV all the time. And I know my dad hated those movies, but as a kid, I was totally fine watching them. And yeah, that's, that's like the closest thing I can think of. Like maybe that's why French people like Jerry Lewis, because it also reminds them of Louis de Funet. He has also like that super lowbrow physical type of comedy. It's, it's different though, but still. Well, he, he definitely was loved in France uh, mm. a little bit later on in his career. It was really more when he became a filmmaker because specifically of the whole auteur thing. Mm, he embodies yeah. that concept, which, you know, is a, is a French concept. Uh, and, and also um, at the time, Jerry Lewis basically had been getting like the Lewis and Martin movies were sort of they were i mean they made a ton of money mm. but they were largely dismissed by critics and not for no reason quite frankly i mean they're not great movies yeah um their chemistry together is great so it's really fun to watch if you have an understanding of them or you're you're looking out for for the two of them just being able to steal a moment to do something sort of subversive or to try and make each other laugh like that's yeah, the stuff yeah. that i really enjoy about their movies but for the most part, uh, you know, especially Jerry Lewis got hammered by critics here uh, in America. Yeah. So basically, then when his movies got sent over to France and critics actually took him seriously and they actually thought that, oh, this guy's doing something that's interesting and he, he has talent. It became this sort of joke in America that, oh, those stupid French, <laughs> they, <laughs> they love Jerry Lewis. And, and then... Uh, but in France, I mean, like Jerry Lewis here, though, is being, you know, constantly and, and honestly, to some degree, unfairly um, ripped in the press. But the problem was that anytime they would give him like a, a bad review, even if it wasn't like a total trash, like burn review, mm. he would treat it that way. And he would mouth off and talk about how, like, you know, the media is like killing America. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, it's all the media's fault. Where have I heard that again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, there's actually a lot of weird parallels, I think, between Jerry Lewis and, and our and, dear president, but that's um, a whole other t podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> let's talk some movies. <laughs>
Yeah. So okay. So so we were talking about like these living cartoon movies. So I chose three three movies for us to watch mm-hmm. uh, that kind of go in a bit of an arc to see the sort of development of at least Jerry Lewis's career with these cartoonish things, and also trying to pick stuff that I thought you wouldn't like absolutely hate. <laughs> <laughs> So the first one to start was this movie, Artists and Models, which is a Martin and Lewis movie, came out in 1955, and it's it's directed by Frank Tashler. You can trace the mystery of ancient history through art of artists and their models. You can comb through their own coliseum in the rear of your nearest museum. There's the Mona Lisa, the Tower of Pisa, a cowhand's daughter out in Texas. And there's modern art to see that makes you wonder what the heck is meant to be. And Frank Tashlin, he um, started off himself in animation, uh, first in comics, and then he went to work as a production manager at Columbia and Warner Brothers. He did some Bugs Bunny cartoons. Uh, and then he ended up as like a comedy writer. And then eventually he got sort of uh, segued into directing movies. Uh, so Artists and Models was his uh, fifth feature length movie that he directed. And uh, he did other movies uh, with Bob Hope or like Jane, Jane Mansfield. And his whole thing, Frank Tashlin, his touch is sort of that. Uh, it's very like classic 1950s kind of comedy. Like, you know, it almost looks to me visually, it reminds me of like, uh, I don't know, almost like, I mean, there is that Bugs Bunny thing and then there's like that mm. Archie thing kind yeah. of, but he has that very classic like male male gaze kind of thing. It's like, he's <laughs> a little bit pervy. He always yeah. likes to sex bomb women. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and the jokes are sort of at the expense of like, you know, sexy ladies kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And then for other context, before we get into it, by the time that artists and models rolled around, I've been saving this for so long, Carlo. <laughs> you well, don't even know. Oh, God. Lewis and Martin as a, a duo were already dissolving. So they broke up the, the year after this came out. Oh. And uh, also at this point in time, Jerry Lewis had become pretty heavily invested in making in, in the ins and outs of filmmaking. Yeah. So at this point, he already had long been making these little short home movies with his friends and neighbors who was like, by the way, his neighbor was Tony Curtis <laughs> and <laughs> Janet Lee. So like yeah. they made these, these, I actually got to see one of those at MoMA this uh, last year, which oh, was yeah. awesome. But, um, and, but, you know, he had already had his fingers in it, but also he was making movies. So he would go and talk to the, the crew and uh, really was self-taught and really like, like, was the type of guy that would sit there for just hours and hours and hours and nights and days working on like getting one thing done. So he was pretty focused on it, but Frank Tashlin became a mentor, a filmmaking mentor to him. So it kind of, you can see now a little bit, (laughs) but you know, starting with this point, which is their their first uh, interaction. Hmm. Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) where do I start with this movie? Uh, I didn't hate it, so good pick, but I also didn't love it. Like, it wasn't my favorite of the movies you assigned to me. You might be surprised which one is, but then again, maybe you you won't be surprised at that. Um, But there are definitely elements of this movie that I did like. Uh, Like you said, like the live action cartoon aspects of it. Uh, The fact that it's about like... uh, like comic artists and, and and stuff. And the fact that Shirley MacLaine is in it as well. Like uh, I'm a big fan of Shirley MacLaine. 
and definitely a big big fan of the way Shirley MacLaine just exists in the in that movie to make Jerry Lewis uncomfortable just <laughs> just just by being a girl <laughs> oh yeah well I'll just say real quick that the the plot of this movie which there isn't that much is that that Jerry and Dean are uh both artists and uh Jerry Lewis is in love with comic books that are like these like hyper violent and uh you know bad graphic. girl the bad lady yeah the bat lady yeah yeah and um it, whereas Dean it like couldn't care less he just wants to be <laughs> a, a classic artist and um yeah and like Shirley MacLaine and and her um roommate yeah it's the the, the roommate that's the artist and Shirley MacLaine is just like posing for her as bat lady like for the drawings is is that all that she does in that movie? I think so. And then she's the and she's the um yeah, she's the secretary the as well. Secretary, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Abby. Me. Abby is the other Dorothy Malone is the is the roommate. Yeah. And uh yeah, so and then like from there it it literally it, it goes into like a, a love story and then to a conspiracy a government conspiracy theory about Yeah, like way out of left field <laughs> with that shit. I mean like the whole Russian spy thing or whatever it was. Yeah, it's totally shoved in and weird. Yeah, it just comes way out of left field. Like at that point in the movie, you don't really expect it to become that kind of a movie. But then again, I didn't know what else it would evolve into. <laughs> it's, it's, it feels very like all kind of made up on the spot, which is fine. But yeah, kind of hard to get invested in like as an actual movie, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, the other thing, too, is that, like, they, they spend the whole thing talking about how how they're starving artists. Like, there is mm. even a whole song about how you have to play pretend in order to, like, feed yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah to start, yeah. <laughs> and then it ends with this, like, insanely moneyed ball, the artist and models ball. Oh, yeah. That, where that thing, all yeah. of them are there and, like, it is, like, everyone's dripping in jewelry and, like, really <laughs> over-the-top, like, Edith head, like, costumes and, and, like, all this stuff. And you're like, uh, like, what is <laughs> yeah yeah everyone's just painting each other and then dean martin and jerry lewis start painting each other because of course of course yeah, with, they with like a slight innuendo <laughs> yeah because everything in this movie is innuendo <laughs> like uh like the set of the of the plot for some reason like two guys living together uh and it's dean martin and jerry lewis uh and they're like well, I guess only one of them is a comic nerd. I was like, oh, it's like the Big Bang Theory, except <laughs> except the banging is only insinuated. <laughs> that, that, that's yeah. what the show is about, right? The Big Bang Theory? Yeah, Like yeah, a bunch of guys sure. who bang? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what it's about. <laughs> that's my understanding. Yeah, and just, it's, it's all very innuendo and... Like I said, uh, Shirley MacLaine just exists in that movie to make Jerry Lewis uncomfortable. Like she kisses him and Jerry Lewis is like, he looks like he's just been informed. He has to be like the center part of the human centipede, like to total shock, <laughs> total shock on his face. Uh, like what, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> but then, then she is supposed so to be, true. she's so supposed true. to be his love interest, but I'm not sure if it was like uh, like a both like both ways for them. Oh no, and, it's and and it's a I'm, struggle. I'm, yeah, and Jerry Lewis is once again playing a man baby. Like I'm sure he does that in most most of these movies. Uh, like that outfit that he wears when Shirley MacLaine has her musical number, which was 
easily my favorite part of the movie. But the way he's dressed is like these like rolled up jeans and this preppy boy uh, like uh, like a white uh, shirt like. <laughs> It's a, like an adult baby slash corner boy. Like, I'm not really sure what they were, go- were going for there, but he definitely does not look like a grown-ass man. Sunbathing. <laughs> yeah. You sure. know what? Just his ankles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny enough, uh, Jerry Lewis apparently hated uh, shooting that scene specifically, and, and like he, he kept like insisting that it because it wasn't comedic or something. Like He kept making up excuses, but the truth is that he just didn't like being upstaged by Shirley. Yeah, Kimmel. I was just, just about to say, because he gets seriously upstaged in that scene, <laughs> maybe that's why I like it so much. Oh, yeah. No, she's doing her best Jerry Lewis impersonation throughout, and it's actually kind of great. It's actually yeah. like, I, I appreciate it. Absolutely. The thing about innuendo too is that like the another thing that happens throughout this movie is that Jerry Lewis has these dreams where he reads so many oh, comic yeah. books that he's dreaming in comics, which yeah. is something called Vincent the Vulture. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> those, I mean, like the the innuendo in that, it, like, which is clearly this sort of like joke on these, you know, these uh, violent and sexy cartoons that are happening in the fifties. But the it's always like he makes this horrible noise, which actually makes me laugh because it's just so grating. <laughs> He's like, Rah! and then like talks about like you know the space station Zumba, like you know or whatever. Like yeah. I'm trying to remember. There's like one line where it's talking about like uh, like Vincent the Vulture rips off her dress, exposing her two round shoulders. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> Poor Dean Martin is just trying to like literally throws him out the window. (laughs) (laughs) Out of the wild blue yellow yonder with tail full of jet propulsion comes Vincent. Vincent the Vulture. Vincent the Vulture. Defender of truth and liberty and member of the Audubon Society. He is half boy, half man, half bird with feathers growing out of every pore. He is flying to his interplanetary space station, trying to escape Zuba, Zuba the Magnificent. Yeah, I I both kind of, like, the moment that starts kind of derailing the movie, well, it's it's not like a super derailment, but like I said, that stuff comes kind of out of left field with, like, the, the spies and stuff. But I feel like it never, like, really became crazy enough for me personally. I just wanted to go even like more off the rail, more high concept. Like I want to, I wanted to see the sequel to this. That's just like a different director. Like maybe Jerry Lewis or Dean Martin just gets recast by someone who sort of looks like him. And it's a Roger Corman production. (laughs) And it's actually about like Dean Martin becoming Vinnie the Vulture and Jerry Lewis being that mouse or whatever he is in that movie. That that's a movie I want to see. That's yeah. There, there is show. a bootleg Martin yeah. and Lewis movie called Bella Lugosi Meets a Brooklyn Gorilla. Yeah, I, I feel like I should watch that maybe. <laughs> With Duke Mitchell and Sammy Petrillo. But I'll tell you that you watching that one for what it's worth, like it makes you it makes you miss Jerry Lewis. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> Which isn't <laughs> But but the, the movie itself is honestly not much worse than the movies that they did. So <laughs> Okay. But the one thing, so yeah, I kind of agree with you. Like this movie, it holds back. It doesn't have enough. I mean, it has mm. some, I mean, it, there is a scene where Jerry Lewis jumps into the bathtub with Dean Martin, but. Oh yeah. There is not <laughs> More much. More innuendo. 
<laughs> there's not much for the two of them to do together. You know, like there's a, well, they're together in the beginning and then they kind of get split off and, and they go their separate ways a bit. And, and so for me, it was like, uh, you know, it could have been a little bit better. The moments where they're interacting, I, I like like this, the weird, like, uh, kangaroo patrol. kangaroo dance yeah. yeah dance that was great like <laughs> that i don't know why they did great. yeah why like, did they just do that throughout like i would have happily watched like an hour yeah but that. also also why did they do that right like like I what was know. that all about <laughs> like this no backstory just a thing that they do i guess like once in the movie it's not it's not, it's not even like, like it feels very inside jokey yeah, and like, and that's not even a thing they do in other movies or on their yeah. stage show. So I don't really know. <laughs> it's even more random. If someone knows, please feel free to tweet us. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure no one will know. <laughs> <laughs> one person over sixty listening. Um, <laughs> There's another so- thing that I wrote down that I have to mention. Is again one of those innuendo moments. There's. Do you remember in the movie? Uh, at one point, Dean Martin is like posing with some girl for like the bad lady artist. Like they're pretending they're a married couple. It's for, I'm not sure what that drawing is for. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then the lady comments like it doesn't feel like natural enough. Like uh, you got to really hold me like you mean it. And the bad lady artist, like she gets up on the well, stage, little stage they, uh, she has there. And she holds Dean Martin and she says to him, pretend you're about to kiss me. And Dean Martin replies, you sound like my roommate. And he kisses her. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of, there's a couple of that in other movies where, where I'm sure. you're like, like Dean, what? <laughs> They're very comfortable with each other. <laughs> Do you want to talk about this? No? Okay. That's cool. It's just the 50s. Um, sure. <laughs> the one part, though, the one part of this movie that I think that we both appreciated and that is over the top and kind of nutty was the massage parlor scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jesus, why didn't I write that down? It's not even in my notes. Like, I almost forgot about that part. That was so good. <laughs> that was a really, really good part. <laughs> yeah, like, that's definitely the most cartoony. I mean, like, this whole movie definitely, again, it, it looks like a cartoon as far as the colors go. Uh, there's that really good scene in the water cooler where, where Shirley MacLaine, like, is laying oh, it on yeah. Jerry mm. and the water cooler starts to boil because he's he's heating up. Kind yeah, of that's the part where she kisses him. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah that was great. Uh uh, this massage parlor is the biggest, like, like Jerry Lewis, uh, you know, needs to get a back massage. I'm trying to remember the reason why he was like yeah, sitting I... in a weird position. Oh, he was posing or something, right? Was he? <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't remember myself, like what the reason was for that to happen, but it was fun when it was happening. So, <laughs> yeah. And so he goes in and, and like they're, they're bending him literally in half, like yeah. from him laying on his back and they bend his legs over the top of his back. Yeah. To but head. like the massage kind of builds it up. Like at first she's bending him and I'm like, okay, that's his real body. But then at one point it's like, is it his real body? And then you're sure it's not his real body because she bends him back so, so far. It's yeah. just like, he's just like Gumby at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he goes into this whole thing about how he needs like more ladies. Yeah, and he, yeah. he gets Dean in there, of course, and and of everyone's course. like on top of Dean. And Dean's in there, like just 
He looks so miserable. Yeah, I just want to die. <laughs> he's literally like, there's a scene where, where Jerry's like, like, hold on, we need to get more ladies. And, and he's yeah. like, sure, sure, we need another lady. Like, it, this is like the moment of, of the movie for me where you can tell, like, oh, yeah, they're going to break up soon. <laughs> <laughs> that was a breaking point. Like, that scene yeah. just, Jerry, what are you doing to me? <laughs> but it's good it's it's cartoony it's weird yeah yeah it's fun to watch like it's a visually like fun scene and it just gets more and more absurd and yeah give me that shit so yeah that, so that's kind of the beginning and then now we can move on to the next movie which i assigned <laughs> which was geisha boy which came out in 1958 so by this time martin and lewis is kaput and uh jerry lewis is they're both on to their own solo careers Geisha Boy was is directed by Frank Tashlin, but it's produced by Jerry Lewis. And behind the scenes, at this point, um, it's basically also sort of co-directed by Jerry Lewis. Um, because after this breakup, he continued to work with Tashlin because he because Tashlin would let him run the place a little bit. He respected him when he you know to do most of the movie, and then when he wanted to throw in his own bits. Tashlin was usually pretty open to, to you know, experimenting. Hmm. So he doesn't have any credit for that, but it, it was definitely more heavily, he was more heavily involved in the direction of this. Uh, and it's definitely like, it's prime Jerry Lewis material, like the hmm. pathos and the like body cartoonish comedy, you know, totally. <laughs> Next, we have card trick. Watch closely, please. We will pick a card, if you don't mind, any card at all. Any card, that's fine, any card at all. What card is it? Hatonosandes. Antosananandandes, which is the Andes hearts three. Placing inside, looking closely at card. Coming out, no card. Where can be card? Doko desho ne, Hatonosan wa? Uh-huh, we will find out in just one moment. My, my favorite review on Letterboxd. I mean, already it's called Geisha Boy. Jerry Lewis has a long history of doing really obnoxious and racist yellow face impersonations. Yeah, you show me some pictures and I was, I was a little bit shocked. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and he like it's... continually did that for ages and ages and to the point where like up until the 60s even and, and then and past. And you're like, dude, like the war is over, man. <laughs> Jesus and also, you know, upsettingly, his his oldest son was was like um, married to a Filipino woman, and I, never at no point I, did Jerry like did that kick in, I guess. But anyhow, whatever. <laughs> so I was putting off watching Geisha Boy because I I was terrified. But um, there was someone on Letterboxd who reviewed this movie as surprisingly not racist, but very sexist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's 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 totally true. <laughs> yeah. You think it'll zig but it zags and like being offensive. <laughs> yeah, and this one is basically that that um Jerry Lewis is uh Gilbert Woolley, the magician, mm. and he's trying to go overseas to Japan to entertain the troops, and he brings Harry the Hare, who gets credit in uh <laughs> the opening credits. Yeah. He's, he's credited as Harry Hare. And for a second, I was like, are we supposed to pronounce that as Harry Harry? Because it's like, because it's Japanese. 
<laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, they probably thought like, you know, Harry Krishna, which is not Japanese, but that's probably what they thought. So I was really <laughs> preparing myself for like a racism shock, but then it was just Harry hair. Like at that point, I didn't know it was going to be a bunny, but still, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I actually kind of like the the Japanese version better. <laughs> I don't think they even knew enough quite frankly. Yeah, they're not as smart as me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean so he goes over with his bunny which is an, a real live bunny uh mostly like throughout most of this movie there is a real live rabbit that they are somehow they're somehow moving into like very Bugs Bunny like uh like stances and like there are scenes where if you pause it and you look it looks like maybe someone was holding the bunny with fur gloves and then they like green screen them out or like that there was some sort of plastic thing holding the bunny in place because there's like no way a bunny would stand like that no no absolutely like there's a bunch of crazy poses that he does where i'm like i really want to know how they did that and like the the rabbit never looks like in distress. Like he's always just like, uh, he's you know, chill. Pre- he's pretty chill. He's pretty relaxed. Like throughout all of it. Um, and then my girlfriend. Which is also suspect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Michelle was like playing devil's advocate. Like, did they maybe drug him a little? I'm like, I hope not. <laughs> but yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to assume people are yeah. evil. So. <laughs> I couldn't find, for the record, I could not find a single thing about what they did to these. I, they, okay. I did find that there was more than one rabbit, which is, I presumed, anyhow. Yeah. I could not yeah. find anything about how they had had this happen. But again, it came out in 58, so <laughs> yeah. I, I don't feel great about it. But um, it was cute. I can't lie. Yeah, it, it did look like... Like when he's lying on his on, on his floaty with the sunglasses and the little trunks on, and he's getting a sunburn because he don't give a fuck. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty great. Like I showed that screen uh, cap to Michelle, and she was like, "Oh, that's cute, but is it though?" <laughs> <laughs> right. It's also suspect. <laughs> oh no, totally. Mm. But but so real quick, the plot of this movie though is that he he goes on the plane, hijinks ensue. Uh, there is a woman named Lola who is like a stuck up evil woman as they are and uh, played by Marie McDonald. And as they're getting off this plane, she already hates Jerry Lewis. Uh, and <laughs> as, as we we can presume, most people do. And um, he basically tries to apologize to her and ends up literally like ripping her dress off. And oh, then she yeah. like, falls down the stairs in front of all of these people trying to take her photo yeah. Uh, completely embarrassing her and super sexist as we said yeah, and, and um and then there's like a very young child who happens to be there uh which uh he and he laughs and yeah. his aunt who uh kimi sakita who's played by no nobu mccarthy uh basically says like oh this is my nephew and his parents are dead and he's never laughed since that happened and you made him laugh so now he's your burden (laughs) (laughs) yeah now he's yours like he loves you man so love him back (laughs) yeah and like that's kind of the plot like there's also um (laughs) it's the plot jesus how is that the plot of this movie he falls in love with a little little, like a young japanese boy (laughs) that is the plot of 
the geisha boy and why is it called that i don't know yeah exactly <laughs> it's just because i think it's because that was a japanese word exactly it could have just been called like the sukiyaki kit or whatever <laughs> you know it's I, literally, this... I literally wrote that down if like word for word i was like i'm surprised i didn't call this the sukiyaki <laughs> <laughs> yeah i did i did write that down as well <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, like he has two different love interests, which is the 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 aunt. And then there's also this Sergeant Pearson who uh, is played by Suzanne Plachette, who uh, this was her first movie role, better known as um, Bob Newhart's wife on the Bob Newhart show. If anyone <laughs> listening knows what that is. Uh, and I, then, I actually know what that is. So yeah, it's well known. You're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Suzanne Plachette uh Quick fact, uh, this was her first movie and she um, auditioned and Jerry Lewis uh, noticed the last name because her father, I think, owned a, a theater that he used to to do when he was doing solo shows. Yeah. And so he called up her dad and was like, is this your daughter? And then ended up casting her. So that's kind of mm. nice. Cool. But uh, Suzanne Plachette looks terrified of Jerry Lewis throughout most of this movie. <laughs> and, and rightly so. Yeah. <laughs> because he's just like getting on planes and smuggling rabbits aboard and like... <laughs> Being super manic and weird. Yeah. And like the whole plane sequence. Okay. So he's like sneaking a rabbit aboard. Like how different was airplane travel in the 50s? The fact that you could sneak shit aboard that you weren't allowed to <laughs> like a rabbit and also why aren't you allowed to travel with your rabbit yeah I, <laughs> like that was so, so super confusing to me was that a thing like back in the day that you weren't supposed to like bring your rabbit so you have to sneak it on like a fucking terrorist and then you're not allowed <laughs> to feed it and you have to like keep asking for like a bunch of salad and rabbits that you're stuffing down your shirt to feed to the rabbit who probably has an eating disorder <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> Wait, is Jerry Lewis a terrorist in this movie? Because I think you're right. I'm pretty sure he is because he's like <laughs> smuggling rabbits aboard. And then later on at the end he's of the movie. He's lying to everyone. He causes havoc. Yeah. And later on in the movie, he smuggles himself aboard. He's like. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Like it's like human trafficking at the end. <laughs> basically because Which he first... gets accused of he gets flat out accused of they're like he stole a japanese boy yeah and also the thing is like at the end of the movie he flies back from japan to america and on the flight back he is allowed to have the rabbit aboard it's not an issue anymore he doesn't have to sneak uh, like carrots around anymore he's just <laughs> feeding the rabbit like why was it a problem going to japan to bring the rabbit but it's it's not a problem when you go back <laughs> What I mean, is this? <laughs> that's a that's a plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can call it that if you want. <laughs> I did like like Cherry Lewis acting against the rabbit, though. Like that might have been my favorite part. I think like, if there's any other romance in this movie besides him and that little boy, it's him and that <laughs> rabbit. Yeah, like he looks like he genuinely loves this little rabbit, even if he's probably killing it. <laughs> yeah he's pretty rough with it sometimes so like picking it up and dragging it dragging it along i was like oh yeah he's not yeah. very nice to it but he but then he sits there and like hugs and kisses it so <laughs> to be fair it's kind of seems to be how he treated most people 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, this movie though was uh, so the racism. I uh, I wrote down all the racist moments. I mean, in general, <laughs> there is like the general like Orientalism of yeah. the fifties. Hmm. Though at least the cast is actually Japanese people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, but they're not all point. they're not all natives. Like the little boy, his Japanese wasn't native Japanese. I'm sure. Oh yeah, no, I think these were all. I mean, the whole movie shot in L.A. His his aunt probably. Well, she probably grew up in Japan, at least. And I know her dad. He's a Japanese actor for sure as well. I looked that up um, like a native Japanese actor. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so it, 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 it could have definitely been worse, which isn't saying that much. I think the worst thing is that like he kind of like... Um, he does the thing where he make, he speaks in gibberish to that sounds, you know oriental quote unquote mm, you yeah, know so he yeah. does that briefly which is kind of his normal thing so yeah. i'm actually really surprised he didn't do more of that and then he also makes fun of all the names which i mean is it's racist <laughs> but it's also <laughs> but, like one of those no, things where you no, can kind of where, say that's where that sentence ends it's racist yeah you're right don't, no, don't no, say no. but <laughs> well i say but in the sense that like uh, you know I think most people do this in general and make fun of other people's na like names and countries mm. and, and pronunciations. So it's, it's racist like... not to do it. You have to do it to include <laughs> everyone. <laughs> but this one felt particularly racist uh, in the sense that he doesn't even try. Like the kid's name Mitsuo Watanabe and he yeah. calls him like Mitzvah Wet Nebel or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that, but that made me laugh now. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so lazy. <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah. So there's that. But but other than that, everything was super sexist. Uh, I mean, there's like a scene literally where Suzanne Plachette, uh, you know, is basically like, I'm oh, sorry I was yeah. jealous of that Japanese woman. I remember this but scene. Yeah. My old boy left me for one of them Orientals. And, and yeah. she even says like, I wrote like, quote, she says, I'm going to throw away my emancipated woman thing and yeah. act like those Orientals, like yeah. in order to keep a man next time. Yep. I wrote and that. And then Jerry well. Lewis is like, seems legit. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and she's not even like, I, like, I don't even know where that, it doesn't come from anywhere either. It's not like this character, like she's in the army, but she's like, you know, pretty passive and yeah. not doing anything. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like they were just like mm, let's shove this in like let's let's just let those women know where they're at <laughs> yeah jesus <sighs> remember the scene uh where he's trying to like he's practicing a, ma a, a, a like a magic trick i think at the hotel or whatever wherever he's staying but the magic trick is he's trying to summon a genie right <laughs> What the fuck kind of magic trick is summoning a genie? <laughs> that's that's like actual magic. That's not a trick. That's like some fantasy bullshit. And he does it and he summons two genies, he thinks. But it's just like two people who got blown up. <laughs> but all I could think was, what kind of trick is summoning a genie? Is that a thing you can actually pull off? Like, is he known for summoning genies? Because if he is, he's the most amazing magician in the world. So I would go see him. Well, we've already established that he's a terrorist, and and you're bringing up the fact that he is he's doing black magic up. and blew people up. Yeah, and so, he's, yeah, and he basically <laughs> went to yeah, and he's basically going to Japan to terrorize them with his comedy and his tricks. So right. comedy is a 
currency in terrorism, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> if it's bad enough. <laughs> well, the the one scene in this movie that actually made me laugh out loud and, and genuinely is basically that he gets in a lot of trouble and they're going to send him home. And he's like, I just want to entertain the troops. That's all I want in my heart is to make people laugh. And so uh, Suzanne Plachette convinces them to, to send him to the front in Korea. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, at, like where they're like actively fighting in foxholes mm. to entertain those troops. And like it just cuts to him trying to do like his magic show, like with with his little trunk on stilts and like bombs going off in the background. And he's trying to make like flowers appear and like pulling a rabbit out of a hat. And and they like all the soldiers are just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Did you see, I ever see the Steve Carell movie where he's a magician, Bert Wonderstone or whatever. No. Well, that kind of is basically a similar like a uh, plot point in that movie, like Steve Carell and Steve Buscemi are like partner magicians, but at one point they break up. And yeah, like years later, I think like Steve Carell has stopped like practicing magic and he sees Steve Buscemi's character like on TV where he's like a magician who's, who's going to do like magic tricks for, for poor kids in Africa or whatever. But all the people there really want, he finds out is food. <laughs> but he's like going there <laughs> as like a messiah who's bringing his magic tricks so it's kind of like that <laughs> that's, that's pretty dark <laughs> it is it is it's pretty dark it's, it's not a great movie but it has its moments yeah i kind of i mean honestly like i wish that this movie had a little bit more of that and like less like jerry lewis and a young boy yeah you know, like, sobbing into each other's arms <laughs> yeah like <sighs> At that moment when that becomes the plot of the movie, when it becomes apparent that that is the plot of the movie, it's like, oof, why? And pa I just... This was his... That's totally, like, that's all Jerry that's, wanted to do. That's... He was like, I need to bring the the heart to the people. That's so misguided, in... though. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Just give me, like... Just give me like rabbit gags for like 90 minutes and I would have given this like five stars or... Well, maybe not because... That's again. <laughs> that would have done. That would have been a dead rabbit for sure. Yeah, yeah, probably not good as well. Like, give, just give me like fifteen minutes of rabbit gags, like uh, like a best of, and then five stars for sure. But well, the rabbit definitely got all of the cool cartoony stuff in this. Like, there's scenes yeah. where the. I mean, there's like the rabbit literally is on top of a taxi cab, sticking mm. its head out of the skylight and <laughs> sitting on the top of a moving car. Uh, I don't know how they did that. Uh, they and tied then them down one... and drug them yeah probably and then oh, there's a, a scene where a rabbit slides down the banister and it's oh, clearly yeah. fake for part of it mm. <laughs> there's another part of it that does not look very fake it looks like they tied a rabbit to some th something that can slide down a banister because yeah. you see the little nose twitching yeah and so that was a little questionable and then mm. the whole pool scene where he's like laying on his back on a float mm. and then he gets a sunburn, which is them just like probably <laughs> spray painting this poor rabbit. Yeah. Hopefully with not actual paint, but it's the 50s. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone cared. So yeah. Like if that shit's toxic, like who's going to stop him? Sadly, no one. But like, I mean, I would have watched more rabbit gags as opposed to the little kid that keeps taking Jerry Lewis to see like naked ladies. <laughs> Yeah, that like that's twice? That, that's like the only part of the movie when it becomes about like geishas. 
Right. So at that point, like it's an hour in. And at that point, I'm like, oh, is this when he becomes a geisha? Like, I thought that was the movie. <laughs> like, I thought Jerry Lewis was be going to become a geisha for some reason. Like, to, to some <laughs> guy if, who's like, if Dean supposed, to be Dean, supposed to be Dean Martin, like Japanese <laughs> Dean Martin. But, but nope. And then you're just left wondering at the end, why is this called Geisha Boy? But, well, yeah. I will say that the one thing, too, is another movie where, like, Jerry Lewis is meant to be broke. And yet he's wearing like these gorgeous, like, like silk, like oh, yeah. fabric suits. <laughs> and he's like wearing his, all of his like gold rings yeah, and everything's fancy. perfectly tailored. And, and he's like, oh, you can't, I can't like, uh, he's a fancy lad. go anywhere, eat. And you're like, what the fuck? Like he's, sell that suit, dude. Yeah. He's a fancy lad. He can't <laughs> not wear that shit. So. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they are beautiful suits. I can't lie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there was one part in the movie that's like the last of my notes, I think, um, where it reminded me of Lost in Translation, the Sofia really? Coppola movie, because it's near the end of the movie, and there's a part where Jerry Lewis whispers something in the kid's ear, like he's saying farewell, <laughs> but you don't hear what he's saying, so you're left wondering, ooh, what did he, <laughs> what did he say to Scarlett Johansson? <laughs> so. The, that was, that was very romantic. Well, then there's so many references to the bridge on the River Kwai in this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then also even um, he references uh, Marlon Brando, uh, Sayonara. Yeah. When he he shows up, he's like, oh, this is why Marlon Brando likes this place so much. This is not <laughs> at all what Jerry Lewis sounds like, but I can't really do a very good Jerry Lewis impersonation. So <laughs> Yeah, probably best if you don't try that. <laughs> I also like how this movie ends on like, uh, like a Looney Tunes, da -da -da -da, that's all, folks. Like, what's the perfect capper to the live-action cartoon that you just saw mixed with, a, like, a romance with a little boy, but whatever. But, yeah. I, I, th well, I, th I thought that was fun. <laughs> the, the next movie, which I picked, uh, is The Night Professor. Mm -hmm. uh, came out in 1963 and also ends with That's All, Folks. Oh, did it? Um, I don't remember that. Hmm. Yeah, it ends with like that's all, and then it says that's not all, and then oh, there's yeah. like a shoved-in ending. Mm. But uh, so by the time we're at Nutty Professor territory, this one is this is like directed, written, produced, starring Jerry Lewis. Uh, this is the fourth film that he's made since 1960, and now the student becomes the teacher <laughs> because uh, there's a, a lot of really obvious Tashlin influence in this one, like more so even than the other movies that he makes up until this point. Mm. And so this one's definitely to me, it's like a, it's a living cartoon. basically uh jekyll and hyde thanks to eddie murphy we know <laughs> right <laughs> uh and except for um you know this uh, he's a really nerdy professor and he um t makes he he gets tired of getting beat up by his own students <laughs> <laughs> and so he uh and he tries the gym and it doesn't work we all know that doesn't work anyhow so that's true he makes <laughs> he makes a uh, a potion where he turns into buddy love aka dean martin <laughs> 
So here's the thing. Yeah. Buddy Love, uh, you know, so when it came out, everyone thought that Buddy Love was Dean Martin. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for obvious reasons, because yeah. he's this like lounge singer. He has, he uses Dean Martin's hairstyle. Yeah. Um, but I can say, yeah. I think definitively, having read all these <laughs> books and watched all these movies and stuff, he doesn't act anything like Dean Martin because Dean Martin was really a pretty laid back and chill dude and was not that sort of uh, he wasn't the, the guy that like barks orders and, and you know. Yeah, like Buddy Love. How wonderful he is. Buddy Love is kind of like an e egomaniacal monster when you think about it. He's pretty terrible. Oh, he's a total he's creep. So terrible. <laughs> hold it a second. Hold it. Hold, 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 hold it. We'll make our own music gorgeous just hold it you and you stay tubby you go rest your thumbs i'll drive sweetie go get your lips pressed split well you listen you listen sit down here and if you listen you'll be thrilled believe you me sit and listen and watch and and honestly like jerry lewis said he he said it was definitely not dean martin when it came mm. out uh but he Still. never totally named names i kind of think he is basically uh, a mixture of Frank Sinatra, mm. just from the way that he barks orders. Okay. And then he's he's Jerry Lewis, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but like, because Jerry was, I mean, he wasn't the nicest dude, you know. And like, and he had this this big, he had this duality that even he, like, uh, you know, I read a Shirley MacLaine uh, biography called My Lucky Stars, where she talks about working with all these famous people, and her interactions with Jerry Lewis was that he would talk about himself in the third person <laughs> oh, and she thought it was really weird. Yeah. And, no shit. <laughs> you know, and it, but it was this sort of like, he would talk about like, Oh, I know, you know, Jerry Lewis, like when off stage, she was always trying to be really cool and suave and, and be taken seriously. But you know, the guy's known for being an idiot. Like that was his, his character. So it's like, I can kind of feel for him and that, mm. yeah, that, that gets pretty old probably to, to be constantly treated like you're an asshole. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and it's not very sexy either, I guess. And you just, right. Uh, and he was a total womanizer, funny enough mm, in real life. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think Buddy Love is really this sort of, it's, it's more of a truth about, I mean, it's probably a, a mixture of his anger at Dean Martin, his anger at Frank Sinatra for at this point having stolen Dean Martin away and uh probably every jerk and then himself kind of is kind of the guy that he wishes he was and and that he kind of is in a lot of ways because yeah. he's very rich and famous and apparently women were throwing themselves at him constantly so yeah that's pretty interesting because like watching this movie i was trying to figure out like what's the message of this movie what is what what's it trying to trying to say and like at one point it was like is is he saying that like the answer to like masculine insecurity is it like just toxic masculinity uh just like acting out against that basically well he has that whole speech in the end mm. where he sort of talks about in front of all the kids when he gets found out the potion wears off and and he turns and, and transforms in front of everybody and he has that speech that's about kind of like Loving you just have to be are. comfortable with yeah. yourself yeah mm. which i think is actually probably one of the truer moments of jerry lewis like even and probably the more effective moments of you know pathos that he's trying to achieve that's true because i it's really true for him you know like yeah. he, he's someone who was so famous but he's also really emotional and he's really uh you know like if if anyone says anything bad he just freaks out and I think that a lot of this is about like accepting who you are and accepting these two parts of yourself and, and that kind of thing. 
but I agree like the masculinity and the, uh, the masculinity in all of these movies are super terrible. Yeah. And especially yeah. Nutty Professor. I mean like both of both the professor and Buddy Love are creeps. True. Absolutely. 100%. Like, I mean like the professor is more sympathetic in the sense that he's like a total nerd, but he's he's a creep. Yeah, but nerds aren't sympathetic anymore. Like in this day and age, <laughs> like it's all just creeps. So there's there's no good way to be unless you're like really milk toast vanilla. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because he's like, see, it's funny. I, I didn't realize uh, I rewatched this, you know, the other day for mm. the podcast. And I, I actually, for some reason, I guess because it ends with a prom, I thought that this was a high school. Yeah, exactly. Like... <laughs> that, that's what I was but thinking. I'm pretty sure it's a college it is a college like at one point they <laughs> they mention it's a college because like in the entire movie i have a really hard time figuring figuring out if these people were supposed to be like college kids or high school kids like they look old enough to be college kids for sure but that doesn't mean anything in movies necessarily right you've always got like older people playing younger people and whatever uh and then at one point they have a prom so i was like super confused like i'm okay so like here's Jerry Lewis as uh, Professor Kelp. Um, what's the girl's name? Miss Purdy? Stella. Yeah. Stella Stevens. Yeah. An, an old play playgirl. <laughs> oh, okay, really? <laughs> yeah, so there's one point where he's like imagining her in all kinds of outfits in the classroom. Yeah. And at that point I'm still thinking uh, I'm still I'm still thinking like is this still a high school girl who he's <laughs> who he's picturing in like these sexy-ish outfits where she has like pigtails? Actually, I think she has pigtails like the entire movie, which made it even yeah. <laughs> weirder. Like, what kind of girl has pigtails as, and when she's in college? Maybe in the fifties, I guess, or in the sixties. I don't know. Just it was confusing. Yeah, and it was troubling. It's super confusing. Yeah, it was like Jerry Lewis, more like Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> Burn. right right in the jerry lewis <laughs> yeah no it's it's uh it's definitely a college i, I kind of wonder if maybe the fact that jerry lewis dropped out of high school is why he doesn't know that colleges don't have proms <laughs> or maybe they had proms and no one just told him <laughs> like yeah okay sure prom i mean i'm sure there's a some college i mean i never went to a college dance but maybe i'm just antisocial. i don't know yeah but you then know? you don't call it a prom i'm pretty sure you don't call it a prom college or do you like no i would let us know in the comments <laughs> wherever right. wherever those are <laughs> Especially, I mean, a college prom where they had um, uh, uh, chaperones. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, it'd be one thing if it was a dance, but there's like, they're like, you must come as the chaperone yeah. to yeah. Professor Kelp, right? What's his name? <laughs> yeah, Kelp, yeah. Yeah, that made no sense. It's, it's still confusing. Like, it's confl conflicting information. <laughs> so. But then I guess I should have known because they, they all go to the Purple Pit which oh, is yeah. glorious number one i love i love the set design in this movie yeah like, everything is really it, it's like number one it, this movie looks like the the dream of the 60s it looks mm. like the way when you think of the word mid-century modern and you think of like you know clothing that matches 
you know, the, the, the couch <laughs> yeah. and the wallpaper, you know, like that's 100%. And, and the purple pit is so glorious. It's like everything, it's the sunken dance floor yeah. uh, and everything's, it's all in a circle. Everything's covered in like pink, purple velvet with like, like shots of hot pink, like these round uh, lights. And then you have uh, Buddy Love showing up in this like electric blue suit. Which yeah. is just like absolutely glorious. <laughs> yeah, that licorice suit I call it. It's it's so good. That is a really dope suit. And then just being like a total dick. I, I really I mean like <laughs> Buddy Love is, is he's a horrible person. And I I do appreciate that at least like they have Stella saying, um, you know, like she she seems to be attracted to him, which I think that in real life I can't imagine any woman. <laughs> I mean, he so, looks good in a lot all of his makeup and his very beautiful suits, but like he's such an asshole that I just can't imagine any woman would last more than two seconds yeah, talking to him. But then again, I feel like I've known some girls who are like just in, in, <laughs> in that kind of relationship, and they're like true. I mean, there's definitely those relationships. Yeah. And at least they let Stella like openly be like, you're horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. She does say that. But still, she's like, I don't know. He has like this charisma to him still, despite being an asshole. Like, well, it does. It does make me it brings out like the, the part of me that wants to like go into places and be like, mood's wrong. Mood's wrong. Innkeeper, you got sexy lights laid on me. <laughs> <laughs> now watch sweetheart every move a picture you know like that's that's just all i want to do <laughs> all the time yeah <laughs> nice kids all nice <laughs> <laughs> i i really liked in this movie the the transformation the first time he transforms yeah it, it's, it's like it's like out of a horror movie like a universal like the, the wolfman it's basically the wolfman at that point like the whole transformation and the way he it's really creepy it is pretty creepy and like the colors they use as well it's like super like psychotronic almost like i was super into that yeah it's like paint it's like they spill a bunch of paint and then yeah. they have him like writhe around in it on the floor yeah and uh it, it yeah it looks fantastic i was hoping that would come back but he only does it once so uh yeah you know so one one thing that was also cool when at uh moma um, when I went to go see the other Jerry Lewis thing, part of they, they had an exhibit that was all the storyboards for Nutty Professor. Oh, cool. And they were really fantastic and wonderful. And as most storyboards end up being, it, like they look like a straight up comic book that I would have, I, I honestly loved more even than the movie. Yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs> and they have a, a beautiful transformation scene. And maybe I'll even post it on, on, the, on the site, on Back Row, so that you can take a look at them because yeah, they were it. so awesome. And the transformation scene that is depicted in those is so cool. Oh, and sweet. he totally scrapped it, probably because they couldn't do it. it. It was just so cartoon. It was like, you know, first he drinks the liquid, smoke comes out of his ears, and his face starts to stretch in different directions. Damn. And then he ends up, like, in the universe. Like, it's almost like the end of, of, of 2001. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Pre-2001, too, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. So it was really awesome. And, like, uh, it was uh, it was so good. And then they don't do it. And I was like, ah. but. But what they did do is pretty neat. I mean, yeah. like I do. Besides the the sets and the in the awesome colors and everyone wearing like in these these amazing outfits that just like are color coordinated to just make everything pop. Mm. Like that that scene is so good. It is. And then the gym it. scene is really cartoony. Uh, but a kind of a weird like kind of shoved in there that whole thing. Yeah, you know what scene I didn't love though. <laughs> you remember the scene? Uh, 
it's a flashback to when he was a baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Terrifying. I, I hate adult babies. And, oh, that scene was just, that was pure horror for me. <laughs> Well, it's also horror because they're like trying to point to the fact that like this guy's a, a schlub because like of his overbearing mother. Yeah, and his dad being kind of like a weenie, <laughs> right? Basically. And then he's just there, like adult ass Jerry Lewis sitting in his uh, what do you call it? What, crib. Yeah, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, a crib, I guess. Uh, making goo goo gaga sounds. Ugh, horrible. Yeah, no, it's. <laughs> It's really weird. <laughs> and then it ends too that, 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 you know, the movie ends and then the mother and father come in oh, with, yeah. and the father's taken and had made this potion. And now he's like slapping the mother around <laughs> yeah. and he's like slapping women on the ass. And he's like, yeah, my marriage is turned around, you know, like, yeah. and you're like, oh, I guess <laughs> like, yay. Like, yeah. What's know. the, like, what's the message there? Like, uh, like professor Kelp, like he cuts all that out, but everyone else is now on the drug. <laughs> and right, he starts like, selling it to everyone. Yeah, and then Stella takes it. Yeah, <laughs> and now she's gonna be some like sex fiend, I guess. I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> okay, movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think out of all of these movies, um, I guess I would point to Nutty Professor as as the best in in the sense that I just I'm I am really impressed that like one one guy kind of put the whole thing together, mm. and it also does have like the most coherent. I mean, Jerry Lewis is actually acting in this one; <laughs> he's not just Jerry Lewis, <laughs> yeah, which he true. is in most movies. Yeah, there's some um, there's some range in this movie, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and like there's only a couple of moments where he does typical Jerry Lewis things. He he pretty much stays in character. Uh, and then I think it also sort of, again, like just knowing enough about the guy and, and kind of knowing that this, this is these two parts of, of the same man, mm. <laughs> like, it's kind of interesting on a psychological level to, to watch this and, and be like, huh? Like, cause I, I think the mystery of Jerry Lewis to me is that the guy was so in tune with his body. He could really yeah. like, you know, the way that Buddy Love walks is, is a character in and of, in a, in and of itself. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to, he doesn't have to say anything and you know exactly who he is versus, you know, Professor Kelp. Uh, yeah. But, you know, the guy's so in tune with like movement and yet like he's so out of touch with his mind <laughs> <laughs> and like doesn't realize the things he's doing and saying or like doesn't realize like so i don't know so it kind of fascinates me in that sense and i think it's sort of the best overall movie yeah but... probably as like of these three that i've seen um i think like geisha boy definitely surprised me because i thought it was going to be absolute garbage but it <laughs> ended up kind of entertaining me so i was pretty soft on it but like uh, there's no such thing as like uh objectively but whatever uh another professor is probably the best of these but it was the first of the movies that I saw and like thinking back on it, I feel like I should have done it like the other way around, like sort of get more acquainted with like the way Jerry Lewis normally is in movies and then check out Nutty Professor because he's different than that. Like you say, like he shows some range and stuff. Uh, so the, the order was kind of mixed up for me. I feel like, I, I think I would, uh, would have appreciated Nutty Professor more like had I seen a couple of movies, uh, 
like more traditional Jerry Lewis movies first. Yeah, I feel like uh, the the key to Jerry Lewis for anyone who who is listening to this wondering as many many loved ones have asked me in the past <laughs> couple of months what are you what doing? the hell is it yeah what are you doing uh how, how can we help you and um <laughs> and what is it about Jerry Lewis like explain explain Jerry Lewis to me because I've never understood well here it is if you think it, it is about like context it is about kind of being familiar with what he what he is and what he does and then seeing if if and when he changes because he doesn't really <laughs> Uh, but you do get at least different dynamics, like the Martin and Lewis movies. You have Dean Martin there to stop him from going crazy, and then mm. when his solo movies, no one's there to stop him. Mm. <laughs> uh, and then even the Frank Tashlin movies, he's pushing every boundary as much as he can until, like, literally someone yells at him. Um, <laughs> Frank Tashlin did the last Lewis, Lewis and Martin movie where they were both openly really fighting on on set, and and Jerry Lewis was apparently a total nightmare. And Frank Tashlin had to scream. He screamed at him and kicked him off the set. Jesus. Literally kicked him off. And, and no one had ever done that to him before. It's <laughs> like where he like learned to like respect Frank Tashlin. <laughs> but it was also like, yeah, it was just like, uh, it takes that that much for him to like to get through to him. So yeah. what movie was this? The the one you Oh, mentioned? it was Hollywood or Bust. Oh, okay. Which has a dog that they uh bring around, kind of the way Harry the Hare is, but it's a it's a great Dane. And I don't Besides it being in a car, oh, it drives a car for. Okay, cool. I'm watching this. No. Okay. <laughs> Dog driving car, yes. <laughs> it, it's not actually not a bad one. I actually yeah. thought it was pretty okay, but um, apparently Jerry Lewis, after they shot it, and he never ever saw it again because he had too many bad memories of the fact that he and Dean, like they weren't speaking to each other off camera. Hmm. So it's sort of interesting to watch that one and be like, try and see if you can see it, which it's, it's, they actually do a good job. Like it's, it's hard to tell that they hated each other that yeah. much at that point. So wasn't it a thing like Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin, like not being on speaking terms for like a very long time. I'm just vaguely remembering like a reunion thing, like, a like maybe an award show, or whatever, where they like sort of like reconciled, but no, it was, it was on the MDA telethon that Jerry Lewis did um all the time and and yeah. frank sinatra dragged dean martin on and they had this like moment of yeah. uh, you know the, of being on stage together they so like they after the after hollywood or bust um was shot uh which is you know the year before it was released so it was uh 56 56 yeah they broke up and then they the the story goes that they didn't speak to each other for 20 years yeah yeah <laughs> They had like... a very, very bad breakup. But the truth of it is that they, they did see each other a bit like here and there. And they both kind of did little things to help each other out here and there throughout that time. But the friendship was gone okay. for sure. So like they, you know, and even there's some stories about Jerry Lewis actively avoiding Dean Martin, like if they ran into each other uh, and, and then it's like those kind of things. But they, they didn't work together. Okay, yeah ever actually <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah which was pretty sad but that's a that's a whole other podcast <laughs> when, when, when exactly was that like the reconciliation thing at the awards thing do you remember when that was 76 okay because there's this moment in the simpsons uh where like sideshow bob and crusty have kind of like a like a like a similar reconciliation moment, and I always oh, really? 
Yeah, and I always thought that was like a thing, like referencing the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis thing, because I think it was kind of like a big deal when it happened. Yeah, it was definitely like, because that was the first time that they'd, they'd shown up uh, together. Yeah. And it's cute, actually. It's a nice reconciliation, but mm. uh, apparently it didn't really change much behind the scenes. Like, yeah. The, there's like interviews with Jerry Lewis on um, David Letterman, where Letterman's like, that was so lovely. And he, Jerry <laughs> Lewis is like, yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah, whatever. He doesn't speak to me. <laughs> <laughs> he's like i don't know and, and then like then you get the interviews with dean martin where he's like eh, jerry changed and like leaves it at that because he yeah. never dean martin never talks about anything whereas jerry lewis is like constantly weeping yeah yeah i could kind of relate to that like this is totally like not neither here nor there but i used to have a friend like that we used to like make videos together and then there was like a sort of reconciliation but things were just never the same you know like at one point stuff just breaks and it's not really something that can be mended necessarily. Oh yeah. No, it's it's sad. It's it's especially for the two of them because they literally went from nothing to, you know, the the most popular thing in America. Mm. And they were together for 10 years. And Jerry Lewis, I mean, he wrote a book called Dean and Me a Love Story. <laughs> that is <laughs> yep. You know, it, it was it was basically a marriage, and for the two of them, it was more stable than their actual marriages. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's fascinating. That's another thing that's been keeping me coming back to reading all these books because everyone has a different story, and it changes every single time. So yeah. it's really interesting to to piece together. Like, what was Jerry Lewis's first big flop? Do you know that? Like the first big bomb, like that just got torn apart, like no one went to see it or whatever. Like I'm always interested in that kind of stuff. I think Which Way to the Front was in 1970. By that point, mm. he started to get dropped by all of his um, studios. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm... And this was the last movie he made. And, and also for a 1970 movie, he like plays a Nazi. It's oh. meant to be a comedy about World War II. And okay. it's just very out of touch. You know, it's like- Yeah, this... see, that, I'm kind of interested in that. Like the desperate attempt to like still try and- recreate the magic you once had like I'm, I'm i'm curious about those to be honest yeah i would say which way to the front's probably the 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 one that there's a clear um you know he would make, make at least one movie a year every year until that and then the next movie that he made was in 1980 well he made the day the clown cried which is famously never released yeah yeah, yeah uh and then until then it jumps to 1980 where he came out with a movie called Hardly Working. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. <laughs> uh, but uh, also, Jerry Lewis at that point had a drug addiction. He had a lot of back problems, and, and he had cracked his skull on a TV show and had, like, severe oh, chronic pain. So <laughs> okay. there was a couple of things happening back there. But, uh, yeah, so so that's that's Jerry Lewis. We In did a nutshell. Well, thanks for watching all these. And hopefully, if, if nothing else, we've maybe explained or demystified Jerry Lewis a little bit. Yeah. Now I know where, like, a lot of Urkel came from. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. That as well. <laughs> I just, I couldn't stop thinking about Urkel, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> more than anything. Because he's got, he's got that, like... Uh, I don't know like how much Family Matters you ever saw, but that chip was like on all the time uh, on TV. Oh yeah, here too. Growing up, 
and he he also has like this alter ego Stefan or Cal, which is like buddy oh, love yeah. Professor Kelp thing, uh, and he's just the clumsy son of a bitch. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> no, I understand Urkel more. So thank you for this. 